Hey, everybody. On today's Locked on Bama, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to pay an homage to Herb Jones. I say Herb. You can say Herb. You can say whatever you want to. I like to think it works either way. We're going to go with Herb Jones. We're also going to talk a little mock draft stuff as the NFL draft is coming up this Thursday. Guy Alabama's got another player in the portal, and they've got another basketball player visiting here shortly. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all that and more, so stick with us. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey again, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. Boy, draft's coming up. Big day. It's the bet. The draft is the best football day of the year that is not in football season. How's that? I agree. I agree. And and I agree. And that's another reason why if you didn't hear a podcast yesterday, you should have, because uh, we talk about an article from somebody. One little hair is driving me crazy over here. Uh, but uh <laughs> Man, and that's what happened to me. Have this strawy like hair. I can't get it right. And now I'm looking at a mirror reflection, so I don't really know what I'm doing. Anywho, um, yeah, we in the podcast yesterday we got upset because there's a guy who wrote an article, I think, for USA Today, saying the draft is un-American because everybody should have the right to choose where they want to work, and it just made us mad. So, but go back and listen to that. We won't talk about that again. Um, but Jimmy, I do want to start off with a couple of things. First of all, I wish everybody could see us. Uh, in the beginning, when the little video is playing, the cool Locked On Bama graphics and the music's going, we have the funkiest startup music of any of the Locked Ons. And you and I are sort of both old white man overbiting, dancing while that's going on. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but, Jimmy, I, I want to start here. I want to start with um, Herb Jones. Yep. Hicken chicken yesterday for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, he really put CP3 on lockdown. Um, he, he has blocked now – he has two games where he's blocked three three-point attempts. That's, that's crazy in the NBA because they shoot it from so far out. Like usually people give you a lot of space to shoot that, and, and they also get a lot of height on their jump shots. Um, and, and Herb Jones has blocked three of them. He was physical last night. He is he's just so much fun to watch. And, and the league is really catching on. He was I mean, if he wasn't trending last night on Twitter, he might have been. I was asleep. Um, but he might have been trending. He should have he should have been if he wasn't, because he has he's been the talk of the NBA all day long about how he, he kicked uh CP3's butt and and he's becoming such a fan favorite uh, in New Orleans. It's awesome. And I mean Man, how much do we as Alabama fans need to embrace this guy? Not just for the the branding of, hey, it gives Alabama a lot of uh, exposure, et cetera, but because he's an Alabama kid, um, he stayed four years, he was never, ever, ever in trouble, um, and he's just a super, I'm going to do whatever it takes for the team to win guy. And, man, we, we need to just – make sure we have our arms around him, not only for our own good, but for the good of him because he deserves a big old hug. Yeah, I think of my whole cognizant Alabama sports fan, Alabama basketball fan life. I've never seen a situation with her like this where the Alabama fan base is just so universally in love with Herb Jones. I, I think he's probably, if you did a 
I mean, there will be a recency effect to this, but if you did a poll of Alabama sports fans and said, who is your favorite Alabama basketball player of all time? I almost guarantee you Herb Jones would, would win that, would win that. And obviously there'd be some recency effect because, you know, Horry's career is over and, and, and all the other guys we had that played in the seventies and eighties and nineties, but, but Herb Jones is universally beloved. And this is why he is a bit of a dinosaur and literally, and by that, I mean, we got to see her play for four years. We saw her play as a freshman when the SEC kind of overwhelmed him. We saw him play as a sophomore when we're like, hey, you know, Herb Jones is pretty good. We saw him play as a junior when it was like, wow, Herb's turning into a damn good player. And then we saw him as a senior. We saw him as a senior, and Jimmy goes completely of- dark. Oh, there he is. Oh, He's okay. back. You, you went out for a minute, but go ahead. Then we saw him become one of the all-time best uh, player or, or the best players in the SEC win all those awards, lead Alabama to, to its spectacular season. But we got to see her play for four full years. And and so many of our other stars in the NBA, even Colin Sexton, even Sexton. Sexton was a one-year player at Alabama, and he's been good in the NBA. But I would just be, tell you that among Alabama fans, I think Herb is far more popular uh, than, mm-hmm. than even Colin. And, and J.D. Davison, who, who's now going to enter the NBA and, and possibly be a late first-round pick, early second-round pick, uh, J.D. won't be beloved like Herb either. And, and there's a simple answer. It's not just that Herb is such a great, awesome guy, which he is, but we got to see the whole four years, four years of falling in love with the guy. The other guys were one-night stands, right? Herb's the relationship. We had a relationship with Herb. The other guys were slam-bam, and they were done. I mean, those can be fun, and there's there's a positive to that. But you're right. I mean, like when you think back on your life, every now and again you think about, oh man, that was that was a great night in Panama City behind the the dunes of the Cape, um, with JD Day drinking with JD a Davis. with JD Day. With JD <laughs> he didn't know it was me. Uh, but, uh, it was me. Um, that was a wonderful night. But, you know, I really enjoyed the, the four-year relationship right out of college where we, we, we toured the country together. We got to go to um, the Bahamas yeah. for a tournament. We got, to, uh, we got to go play Memphis in Memphis. It was fun. I, I yeah. love those times. We were going to get married, but he moved. We were going to get married, but he moved to New Orleans. Right. And I got all the I've got all the pictures from that. Like all I have from the one night stand are some vague, blurry, uh, non-sober images in my mind. I got actual photographs of me and my relationship uh, with Herb Jones. Jones. And think of it as much as that's a joke. Just think when you say blurry memories, Gerald Wallace, one and done. Yeah. Colin Sexton, one and done. Now J.D. Davison, one and done. They'll be in the NBA. That's great. I'm not taking a shot at them. I'm not no. saying that I'm not appreciative of, of them signing with and playing for Alabama for the one season. But when you watch them play for four years, it, it's a totally different thing. And, and I think Alabama fans' reaction to Herb and his success in the NBA is a complete reflection of that. And who knows, Luke, when we're going to see it again. When are we going to have another player that – stays at Alabama for four years and then still is an impactful NBA player. It might be a long time before we see that happen again. Well, here's the other thing. We're not mad at Gerald Wallace. We're not mad at J.D. Davidson. We're not mad at Colin Sexton. We knew they could do better than us. We knew they were a means <laughs> We were a means to an end. 
They were the ones slumming. They were the ones slumming in this one night deal. They were slumming. And and in fact, in most cases, they had to shack up with somebody. You know, (laughs) it wouldn't. It was a thing where they couldn't just go straight. They had to shack up for a night. Now, I think Gerald could have gone straight to the to the league, but um, everybody else had to come a year. And so, you know, they they were like, I guess we'll just go with the one we know the best. And so we're we're cool with that, and and everybody's happy. And I'll cheer for Colin Sexton. I'll buy a Colin Sexton jersey. I'll do all that stuff. But Herb Jones, man, he's he's he needed us too. We need he needed each other. He needed to develop. And um, you know, I don't know if he had gone somewhere else if he had developed if he would have developed the same way. So I mean, I think he matured too. We both got better because of this relationship. And um so I can always remember it finally and it wasn't a breakup as so much as it was just a I'll see you later. Yeah, I'm gonna be disappointed uh one afternoon about three years from now when I turn on the Hallmark channel. It's not a story about Herb Jones and Alabama fans on Hallmark. And then, of course, you can turn it over to late night, late night Cinemax. You can see us with Gerald Wallace. Uh, <laughs> you know, just bouncing from my wow. Um, okay. <laughs> Let me tell everybody about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens, these things are awesome. I'm telling you, look, if you need better gut health, you want better, uh, more energy, you want uh, to quit taking all these vitamins, you want a better immune system, that's Athletic Greens. I'm telling you right now, the big thing, it all starts in your gut. I'm learning this. And when it all starts in your gut, you need good gut health. Well, Athletic Greens wants to help you with that. They've got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. I don't know what an adaptogen is, but they do, and it's a good thing. So go check them out at athleticgreens.com backslash college. Listen, to make it easy, Athletic Greens are going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash college to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com backslash college. All right, Jimmy, I'm on the road again. I'm back. Uh, close to Indianapolis. Um, you are in, uh, we both are in strange locations. I've, I've <laughs> I'm not in a strange location. I'm at mom's house. You are at mom's house. That's the okay. least well, strange, strange location possible. Yep. Um, now, talk, first of all, we'll just knock this segment out kind of quickly. Um, I want to talk some transfer portal just for a minute. Alabama lost one to the portal in Kane Williams. Yep. I know a lot of people are like, uh, who? Because we were on a text chain with a lot of Alabama fans, and uh, one of them actually said, "Who?" I so hope they were. I hope they were joking, but I hope. So. I think. I mean, well, I'm not sure who that was because I don't have that number in my phone. But um, I, I feel quite <laughs> certain it was a joke, but not a joke because I think you and I are probably the only ones that like knew immediately. Okay, that's Kane Williams from Louisiana. You know, safety prospect, whatever. Um, but he hadn't made much of a ripple in the Alabama pool. So uh, he's moving on. And God bless him. More power to him. This is what the portal is for. Go kick ass somewhere. We're pulling for you. I, I mean, it, it works out. There's also the rumor about a tight end from the Utah running Utes um, right. that uh, may be transferring to Alabama, who's not even in the portal yet. Right. I, I don't, you know, as of, as of this recording, uh, I have not confirmed with any source close to the program or 
a source close to the kid. I'll, I'll just say it on three. I, I don't believe that the rumors about that Utah tight end yet. I don't believe it. Um, and, 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 but I'm not ruling it out because that rumor is so pervasive and that rumor is out there. I'll just say that at this point, I have not been able to confirm uh, that this is something that's likely to happen. I, I, and I did with the Louisville receiver. So it's not like I never believed this stuff. I was, I, I, I did. I told you guys we were mentioning him before any of that ever happened. So I, I'm not sold that the Utah tight end thing will happen. As with Kane Williams, uh, this is what the portal is for. This is the portal working well. Uh, this is a good kid. He just, after more than one full year on campus at Alabama, he has come to the belief that he's not going to play this fall uh, on the defense and is unlikely to play in future falls. So I, I think this is just a kid that wants to go somewhere where he has a better chance to get on the field. And there is nothing wrong with that in the world. And uh, I wish him well. And and it's not a situation where I think, you know, a Alabama will have eight safeties as of right now, eight on scholarship this fall, including four who have played significant snaps in games, Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams, Brian Branch, and Malachi Moore. Uh, they have all played significant snaps. Uh, they could all leave at the end of this season. And if they do, maybe we'll go like, uh, boy, maybe Kane should have stuck around. But Christian Story and Devontae Smith, the new Devontae Smith, by the way, uh, the new Devontae Smith and Christian Story will be in a very good position to get playing time next season in 2023. And frankly, my understanding of things is that both Christian Story and Devontae Smith were uh, well ahead of uh, Kane Williams in the current pecking order. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Again, that's I'm for a guy like that hitting the transfer portal. I mean, I feel like he he stayed through spring practice. He saw the writing on the wall, and he, he wants to go somewhere else. He will be in more demand than if he were at Louisiana Tech. I mean, right. because if he were in Louisiana Tech, people literally would be going, who? But because he's been in Alabama, people will be like, maybe some of that Tuscaloosa title town stuff rubbed off on him. Let's go ahead and give him a shot. What can well, he, was, he was a top 10. Uh, I went and looked up before I did my story on on three about Kane leaving, and I, I, I refreshed my recollection about Kane's recruitment. He was – every service had him ranked among the top 10 prospects in Louisiana, which is a big deal. I mean, Louisiana, in terms of numbers – produces more uh, SEC prospects annually than the state of Alabama does to be a top 10 player in Louisiana, thus is sort of a bigger deal than even being a top 10 player in Alabama. Uh, so Kane was a really good prospect. He'll, he'll, he'll end up at a good spot. One interesting thing to note, though, under current rules, you have to be in the portal before February 1st to be eligible to transfer to another SEC school. So we won't see Kane at LSU or Auburn or Tennessee He's going to have to go to somewhere outside the SEC if he wants to be immediately eligible this fall. Jimmy, I want to tell everybody now about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your bet ads and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's NBA playoffs and the very beginning of the Major League Baseball season. The Braves are off to a 7 and 10 start that warms my heart. Bet online is your continued source for all your information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the transactions. Bet online is where the game starts, man. So you gotta go there because that's where it starts at betonline.net. Jimmy, uh, mock drafts. Hey, the Braves were uh, the Braves were seven and ten uh, last year. 
after 17 games. Ironically, yeah, when they when they won the World Series, the Braves also were seven and ten after 17 games last year. Just just throwing that in there. Yeah, I mean, they did. They had Freddie Freeman last year, though. How about that? So, <laughs> there is that. Um, and and also, I hate even talking about this. It makes people think that I care about Major League Base here at all, except I just want the Braves to lose because of a longstanding hatred yes. for the Braves. Because they would bump Andy Griffith. Because they would bump Andy Griffith. No, it wasn't Andy Griffith. It was Space Giants. Oh, Space Giants. Much more formative than Andy Griffith. It's strange because I watched nothing but the Braves growing up, and I don't remember Space Giants at all. Because they bumped for your damn Braves. See? Well, I've – my memory hasn't worked as well since multiple one-night stands with Gerald Wallace, Colin Sexton, and J.D. Davison. My brain's never functioned well after those. Well, I tell you those what, brief those are nice people I forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Jimmy, let's talk some mock draft here um, as we're creeping up on the draft. We'll probably get a little more into this, but I just think this, I, I just love the draft. You do too. And I mean, this is something we could talk about forever. Um, Bama Online has a great article up today about where Bama players are falling in all these different mock drafts. This is one that I find kind of weird. Mel Kuyper. And Todd McShay have Evan Neal going nine to the Seahawks. Nine? Nine? Yep. Right. What the hell? I think he should, well, should I, be one. Uh, right. And if, it, if I was picking, maybe he would be one, but I'm not. And the Jaguars are. And imagine the Jaguars making a, a poor decision. Imagine that. But I think Mel and Todd, um, I don't think it's them – Keep in mind, I mean, there's a difference between the big board and how the draft falls. Yeah. I don't think that's Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay both agreeing that Evan Neal is all of a sudden only the ninth best player in this draft. I think that's just how the board may fall based on needs of the teams that are picking in the first eight. Uh, and I would agree with one thing. I don't see Evan falling any farther than nine. I don't think I, the, the Seahawks are sort of starved for offensive linemen. I think if Iki Iguanu or uh, Evan Neal is available when the Seahawks are picking, that's who they're going to pick if one of those two uh, is available. Uh, I, I don't agree with Mel and Todd, not that that would matter. They're the best in the world at this. But I, I think I, I project Evan to go fifth to the Giants. That, that's my official prediction that I've logged. Evan Neal fifth to the New York Giants. Uh, but I certainly – agree with Mel and Todd that the board could fall in a way that Evan could fall down to number nine. And, and, and on the one hand, it would be outrageous. On the other hand, Hey, you know, when you go ninth to the Seahawks, you're going to a better team than if you'd gone first to the Jaguars, you know? Well, they were better when they had Russell Wilson. Now who knows, but um, you know, what's weird about it. And I know it's not saying he, they think he's the ninth best prospect. I understand that. But um, I, I would find it shocking if he lasted to nine and nobody moved up to get him. I mean, I would think somebody would move up to get him. Yeah, the Chargers, the Chargers would love a big-time offensive lineman. And, and if Evan starts to fall and I have to name a team that would potentially make a trade to move up to get Evan, and you'd have yeah. to move into the top ten to do that, uh, I, I would look for maybe the Chargers to trade up if, if Evan starts to, to fall a little bit. But, hey, I, you know, I've said this a couple of times. I – I think if I was the GM of the Jaguars, and I'm sure they're very thankful that I'm not, but if I was, I would sell out 
trying to build around Trevor Lawrence. And, and, and no one knows that defense is more important than me. I've grown up an Alabama fan. I always put defense first. But I think when you get the number one overall pick and you take a Trevor Lawrence and, and you have the kind of generational talent that he is, I think you give Trevor every chance, every fair chance to be as good as possible. Build the best offensive line. Give him weapons at wide receiver. Give him a running back to take the pressure off. I build around Trevor Lawrence, and then I worry about the defense once I get to about year three of year, or year four of Trevor. But right now, I build around him. And, and hey, I would say that even if the Jaguars have Icky Iguanu as the number one offensive lineman mm-hmm. in the draft and not Evan Neal, fine, take Iguanu, fine. I love Iguanu. I think he's going to be great. Um, I, I, fine, take him. I would take a lineman. Or, or even a receiver if one was worthy of the of the first pick in the draft. But that, that's not the case usually. It's not the case this year. But I think Iguanu or Neal should be the first pick. I don't believe the Jaguars are going to do that, though. I, I believe the Jaguars will take probably Aiden Hutchinson, maybe Trayvon Walker from Georgia. I think that's what the Jaguars are going to do. And, and I do believe both prospects are worthy of uh, of that, that selection. I'm not saying they're taking a guy one that shouldn't go to – five, six, or seven, I just don't think they should focus on the pass rush. I think they should focus on building around Trevor Lawrence. I'm with you 100%, and and I know they probably wouldn't do it because there is some cachet to drafting number one. I mean, you get the number one pick because you suck, right? But when you have the number one pick, it's like every the whole world's focused on you. Who's the number one pick and where to go? But if I were the Jaguars, I would even consider, okay, we feel like drafting – the kid out of uh, NC State or Evan Neal at one is too early. Okay, that, that's fine. Trade down. Somebody will trade down with you. Somebody will. Somebody will take that number one pick. Somebody will love Aiden Hutchinson that much. Somebody will love Trayvon Walker that much. And frankly, I know Trayvon Walker destroyed the combine. I mean, just kicked ass. I like did like rewrote the record books or whatever. That's fine. But to me, this is one of those situations where you try and outsmart yourself. Um, right. I always go back to that book, Blank, by Malcolm Gladwell, where, you know, you have this gut instinct. And a lot of times your gut instinct is right because that's the summation of your brain calculating what the odds are for something to be right. And then your your regular brain kicks in and is like, no, that can't be right. I don't that just it can't be right because of this, this and this. And really, in the end your quote unquote gut instinct was correct. And that's what you need to go with. And I think uh, you're, you're absolutely right. If I'm the Jaguars and I, you know, I just got this, this phenom of a thoroughbred at quarterback. Why am I drafting a non-generational talent at defensive tackle? I mean, Trayvon Walker may turn out to be great. He's not Reggie White. I mean, I so. so, I mean, we don't, again, the, the drafts are always a crap shoot no matter what. But I don't look at Trayvon Walker and say he's can't miss. I think his camp no. combine numbers are fantastic. But, uh, you know, his – do you consider – would you have called him a um, – <laughs> he wasn't even the most famous defensive player, even no. the third or fourth most defensive player on Georgia's team. I would say he was the second most well-known defensive <laughs> lineman yeah. at Georgia. But here's what's interesting X's and O's wise, and it really has a direct relation to Alabama. I'll cover this quickly as I can, but it is interesting. It has a direct relation to Alabama and recruiting, and that's this. Trayvon, Georgia plays a 3-4, just like Alabama, and Trayvon was a down lineman at Georgia, a 3-4. Trayvon plays the same position at Georgia that Byron Young 
and Justin Aboigbe play at Alabama. That's the position he plays over there, right? So he plays inside. Therefore, his statistics aren't that great. He only had about six or seven sacks and not a lot of tackles. He was barely more productive than Byron and Aboigbe at Alabama. But when you play inside in a 3-4, it's just not a playmaking position. Well, he goes to the combine and puts up insane numbers about how fast and quick he is. So now in the NFL, he projects as an outside end in a 4-3. He's going to play defensive end in the NFL, a completely different position because of how big and fast he is. The NFL sees him as that guy. That's what makes him such a stretch to take it number one because, wait a minute, this isn't even the position he played at Georgia. I mean, th this is asking him to do something we hadn't seen him do at all. And by the way, when he was doing what he was doing at Georgia, he wasn't exactly productive or famous. He was just sort of limited. It's just at the combine that, that really all this happened because he ran a freaking four or five at almost 300 pounds. And here's, yeah. the, other thing. here's the other thing, Jimmy, and I don't mean to cut you off. We got to go. But a couple other things, and you can use the same argument against Alabama guys. The other thing is, you know, you could make the case, well, he he was so good at Georgia uh, when you if you put on the tape and see this, because he does have uh, the offensive team looking after N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis and some of these other dudes that are certified badasses. Um, now, of course, you can make that same argument for some Alabama dudes. I get it. Um, at, at the same time, I would also say that that would be my argument against um, Aiden Hutchinson, that yeah, he had some really kick-ass stats. Um, but then when he got into the playoffs against Georgia, they stonewalled his ass. And that's yeah. the most offensive-esque line he will see, NFL offensive line-esque he will see, outside of the NFL, and he was stonewalled. So, again, I come back to if I, if I don't think either one of these guys is a generational defensive guy, why wouldn't I take somebody to help my generational quarterback? Exactly, especially when you think of Evan Neal or Iki Aguanu, the two best offensive linemen in this draft. If you view them, ah, you went out again. Year or a ten-year career and six Pro Bowls, then take take the sure bet. You know, take the sure bet, and I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I I think the Jaguars are going to take Hutchinson. Myself, I like like Hutchinson. I get the Georgia. Uh, he was very quiet against Georgia. He did not have an impact at all in that game facing that great Georgia offensive line. On the other hand, he played a really good offensive line against Ohio State, and not only did he dominate Ohio State, he literally put himself in the Heisman race against Ohio State with an unbelievable game, and they have front-line uh, first-tier offensive line guys. I, my, my problem with Hutchinson, though, is a limited ceiling, and uh, I think Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah on NFL Network put this best, and I sort of agree with him. He thinks the best comp for Aiden Hutchinson in terms of who in the NFL is he like is Ryan Kerrigan. And I can see that, like, wow, that is a good comp. But would you take – Kerrigan's a good player. But would you take Kerrigan number one in the draft? Uh, no, no. But, yeah. but Hutchinson's going to be solid. If you take Trayvon Walker, maybe he is going to be something crazy special. But you're gambling. Again, this isn't even the position he played in college. And, and so Trayvon's the gamble that could really pay off. Hutchinson is going to be good, period. How good? Not sure. But he'll be good. 
All right, buddy, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Bama. And thank you guys. We're up to 962 subscribers as of this recording. Y'all keep hitting that subscribe button because we need you. We need you on that wall. So uh, come be with us at Locked on Bama. Until then, roll tight. Roll tight.